Hello, and welcome to Filmy Ladies. Instead of focusing on the virtues that one often associates with January, we are kicking off a series of films that relate to the seven deadly sins, as defined by various Christian traditions, and obviously lots of um, worldviews view a lot of these things as bad or sinful or whatever. So we're going with these ones that we are familiar with from mostly from literature, I assume, and just general sort of American culture. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar, let me rattle off what the seven deadly sins are. You can probably guess. They are pride, greed, gluttony, sloth, envy, lust, and wrath. Mm -hmm. These are all bad things by the way. And so we are starting off with pride, which in some ways I think is the most complicated of them, it seems to me, and maybe the one that most easily ties to all the others. Um, we are not getting into the sort of history of Christian theology about these things. So like if you have different definitions of these, that's fine. Uh, this is not a theology uh, theology podcast. This is a filmy podcast. We are not theology ladies. Uh, so we're kind of taking a, an expansive view of a lot of these things. And I'm really excited. I think that's with Pitu's idea, actually. Um, and I just think it's going to be such a rich source of conversation. And it's a really interesting way to look at films. And there were so many things that came to mind for me when I was kind of thinking through what I wanted to do. I actually have an idea that I was going to try to do all of them with Shashi Kapoor films. <sighs> But then I got then I got all tangled up in myself and whatever. So that's not going to happen. But I, I think you will see Shashi Kapoor appearing frequently in my in my selections. I don't know uh, if Pitu has a theme among hers. Um, do you have any Kinda. themes emerging? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to say what it is or leave it? Of, for later? So of the first three movies that I've thought of for the first three cents, two of them have a shorter ride in it. Okay. <laughs> so that is okay. The but I also made a, a conscious decision that I'm not going to do any Shah Rukh Khan films because oh, nice. I need to rein in some of my fanatical He's been, he's been covered a lot on the first year and a half or so of our podcast. Yeah. So he is, he is well represented. If you haven't noticed, there is a whole playlist for the episodes we have that talk about him in a significant <gasps> way. So uh, those are well covered. So what are you going to use to talk about pride? Yay! I'm going to talk about um, one of my favorite movies that I have been dying to talk about ever since we launched this podcast, which is Raincoat. Um, this is the 2004 movie made by Rituparna Ghosh. I love his films. And um, it just this movie is just firing on all cylinders. It mm -hmm. has Ishwara Rai, whom I adore. It has Ajay Devgan, whom I am neutral about, but when he acts well, he really brings it. Like I like him in Zakhum and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I like him in this movie. It has Anu Kapoor, who is not someone that I ever think of like I don't care about him one way or the other but he's so good in it the music is one of my favorite soundtracks of all time it is by Debojyoti Mishra the art direction is on point everything about this film is so perfect and it's also a literary well it's an adaptation of a story by O. Henry um, it's an adaptation of Gift of the Magi and we have covered O. Henry before um, mm -hmm. in, the, in the Lutera episode because mm -hmm. that movie is based on The Last Leaf so I've come to the conclusion that O. Henry is just like perfect for like Bollywood cinema. I mean, the, the Gift of the Magi is one of those stories that 
if I have actually read this story, I don't know, but I've seen adaptations of this growing up my whole life. Like this is very big in sort of- It's so popular. protestant American culture that I grew up in or whatever. It's, and I, I'm sure it's other places too, but this is a super, super common source, it seems to me. In, enough that I find myself- referring to it every now and again mm -hmm. not not like oh I'm going to make a literary analogy here I'll just be like oh how gift of the magi you know yeah <laughs> so yeah it's, gift it's of everywhere the magi is also super popular in India because at mm. least for those of us who went to English medium schools sure. it literally used to be part of like the lesson plan or whatever so as long as you went to an English medium school at some point during your middle schooling years, you would have studied Gift of the Magi for like your exam. So pretty much mm. every Indian who went to English medium schools knows this story because mm. we were graded on it. Um, and I just, I what I really love about Raincoat is that even though the source material is clearly Western, you wouldn't know it at all because this movie is so like steeped in Calcutta and the Bihari culture and stuff like that. And you just, it's unbelievable how that translated, um, you know, and I, I want more O. Henry movies to be made, uh, books to be made into movies. I mean, I think one could argue that Calcutta is the most Euro influenced of the major Indian cities. Mm. Probably. I feel like I get that vibe from what I, or maybe it's just the way it's depicted in films, but um I don't it's know about that. Super, I don't know. I feel like Calcutta is is extremely Euro in in a lot of ways. Not in all mm -hmm. ways, obviously, but in in a lot of them. But but that's neither here nor there. It's just kind of I, I wanna after you talk about the movie, I do wanna talk about like what you think the Calcutta setting does for it, but um well, you don't actually see much of Calcutta in it because mm. this movie is very like sort of like a chamber play in mm. the sense that there's just like essentially three characters and it's all interior. It's all pretty much interior shots of these like two rooms. And apparently it was shot um, in an actual apartment building oh, in wow. Calcutta, like because the, the the residents of that building are actually like thanked or whatever in the credits. Um, and there's it's constantly raining. So this this is not like, studio sets or anything like right, that right. um and so you don't actually see any of the city you just see these interior shots and um i love the blues and the greens and the the persistent rain the rain, it's constantly raining in this movie from beginning to end and you can see you can almost feel the dampness like you can almost smell the mold mm. in the walls, which is so amazing. And then Gulzar's poetry, like he has this whole like spoken word thing where he talks about how there's a breeze that came and dislodged one of the pictures on the wall. And it's so brilliant. Mm. Um, I really love that. I also, one of the things that I give props to Ritparna Ghosh for is that this is one of the few movies I've seen in which Bihari people are treated like actual mm -hmm. human beings um, because typically Bihar is probably India's most maligned state and yeah. if if someone is cast as a Bihari person in an Indian movie they're almost always going to be a thug or a gunda or a crook or an uneducated lout there's never and they're, they're always caricatures they're never yeah. people who have actual like agency or anything like that and even though this movie is set in Calcutta it does talk about the huge Bihari migrant community that that city has and they're not caricatures and they're not like you know they're just normal regular people who just happen to be Bihari um, and so I do give props to Ritu Parnagosh for that as well I also like the little things in it that 
one may not catch immediately. Like Ashwara's character's name is Nirja, which literally means lotus. And mm -hmm. of course, the lotus is important in Hinduism because it represents how you can be pure and clean and beautiful despite living in filth and muck. And she literally lives in filth and muck. Um, but she, she never lets go of her humanity, which is, of course, the whole like angle of the gift of the Magi part of it. Um, and I think this movie is such a good exploration of the concept of pride um, or more to what Indians like to call, like we like to call it prestige for some reason. Mm. Um, that it's that pride. It's not like the pride as in, you know, ego. Well, it's kind of like ego. Um, the whole movie is basically Ajay Devgan and Ashura Rai telling each other tall tales about how great their life is, like how amazing their life is and all these amazing things that they're doing. And all of it is a lie. It's all like pie in the sky. And they're doing that to protect their own ego, but they're also doing that to protect each other so that the other person does not understand or realize how much misery they're in. Um, and so what I like about it is that I think typically in Indian cinema, at least when pride is depicted, it's always depicted in this very like larger than life way where the person is clearly bad and horrible and a megalomaniac, like Amitabh in Abhiman or mm. Amitabh in Kabhi Kushi Kabhi Gum or Amitabh in One Million Movies <laughs> where he goes on into like Pratishtha, Anushasan, whatever mode or like Mahabate, you know. So pride is always depicted in this very grandiose way where where it's not relatable. How many of mm. us can relate to the principle of Gurukul in Mahabharate? Very few of us can. But when you see pride depicted the way it is in Raincoat, where it's the little white lies and the fibs mm. and the pretending to be someone you're not and the image consciousness, that is something most people do. Almost mm. everybody does that, where they try to present this facade of I am so insert blank like word here and they're not quite that so I like that the movie is so nuanced which of course is Ritu Ghosh. it's it's gonna be nuanced he's not gonna hit you over the head with a saucepan he's not Karan Johar um but I like I like the softness in it I like that even though it's clearly weird what they're doing but it's not it's not really wrong in the sense that they're not hurting anyone um and so I, I like the gentleness of this film mm -hmm. and I like it doesn't demonize them and they're doing these weird things and they're being a little weird and, you know, you chuckle at it, but you also feel so bad for them. Um, and like, I want to be friends with Nirja and I want to mm -hmm. take her out of the house, the horrible, bleak, terrible house. And I want to like, I don't know, help her in some way and encourage her to like be her own person. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a book that I don't know if you've read it, but um, I like the title of it. It's called At the Villa of Reduced Circumstances. Oh, yeah, yeah. And every time I think of Raincoat, I think of that title, At the Villa of Reduced Circumstances. Like that's, it's so, it's so that. Um, and so I like, I like the gentleness and the kindness of it. And I like the relatability of it in that mm -hmm. we may not all be the liars and fibbers that, these two characters are Manu and Nirja, but we've all fibbed and lied. And usually it's just to protect our fragile little ego. So yeah. Have you you've seen Raincoat, I presume? No, I haven't. Um you have to. It is so good. It's nine thousand. It sounds like this is not looking at pride in the sense of hubris. Yes. I think there is it I think it comes from a place of kindness mm. and 
trying to protect someone else's feelings because you mm. know that they care about you. And so I think that's also why I love those characters because I know that, you know, it's um, there's a scene in Pradesh, which that movie is just like, it's it's hideous okay but there's brief moments in it like there's a scene in it where Mahima Chaudhary has had this huge raging fight and she's crying she's weeping mm -hmm. but then she gets a phone call from her mom and she quickly wipes her tears and on the phone she puts on a brave face and she's like oh, yes yeah. life is great everything is wonderful that's yeah she's lying but she's doing that to protect her mother because she doesn't want her mom to worry for her and like in that scene for instance my heart really broke for Mahima because again mm. all of this that we've all put on a brave face and pretended things were better when they really weren't mm. um and so i think that's where raincoat comes from as well where it's like pride and prestige but more like not wanting to ruffle too many things and not trying to upset someone rather than i'm going to present this image because i'm just a megalomaniac <laughs> right right yeah but you should watch it i, I think you will yeah. love it it's Unbelievable. Yeah. And Ishwara's performance is, is, is great. Ajay Devgan's casting, I think, is brilliant because he, I would not have thought of him in the role of Manu, but right. he is great in it as well. Everything about the movie is phenomenal. The vocals are by Shubha Mudgal. Oh, her voice is just divine in this film. It's just the movie is firing on all cylinders. It never gets boring. It's just, it is a sad film, though. There's a lot of melancholia in it. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that you're bringing a, a Rituparna Ghosh film to this podcast because I don't think we've talked about any of them yet, at least not at length. And I've only seen a handful so far, but the ones I've seen have all been excellent. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to talk about Chokerwali. That was the other ah! issue, right? And that happens to Rituparna Ghosh. So. And same year, right, that they came out? I don't know. Was think, it? Okay. I think so. And I, I have seen that, although it's been a very long time, so I would need to rewatch it. But um, he's his films are quite amazing. Yes, they are. Such a sad loss. I, it always makes me Absolutely. sad. Absolutely. So young. So young. Yeah. yeah. So, you picked Kalyug? I picked Kalyug, which is... <laughs> Tell uh, people which Kalyug so they don't think it's the Kunal right. Kemu Kalyug. <laughs> so someone said that to me on Twitter and I was like, oh, it's the Sham Benegal one with, yeah. produced by Shashi Kapoor, starring Shashi Kapoor and everyone else that you could possibly want. I suspect that this is kind of the opposite of Raincoat. It is a very Indian source. Um, yeah. Can I just note that people on Twitter were telling me that's a, an adaptation of the Mahabharata. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching Indian films for almost 20 years. I, Beth, do you I know, know who Shashi Kapoor is? Do you know who Shashi Kapoor is? <laughs> but have you heard of Rekha? You should watch Rekha's movies. <laughs> right. So this, this I want to say, first off, I've never read much of the Mahabharata. I've read little bits. Um, I am a, somewhat familiar with parts of it, but not really. So like, but I'm here to say that if you, like me, don't know this material, this film still works beautifully. You can still get a lot out of it. You don't need, I'm sure I'd get more out of it if I knew those things, but I mm -hmm. don't. And I still feel like it's plenty, it's giving plenty. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it, you know, in many ways is an epic about families and how they think of themselves and think of their duties and their, you know, relationships and their identities and all these kinds of things. Yeah. So it, it, I think that I could actually talk about this movie for all of the seven deadly sins, quite frankly, yeah. <laughs> I was actually going through and I think maybe not gluttony, but the rest of them, 
there's some drinking in this. So I think that you could sort of swing it towards alcohol, but otherwise I, I, they're all here. Um, yeah. So I might be referring back to this film over the course of this series, but yeah. you know, so the, the gist is there are these two branches of a family, um, the descendants of two brothers who are both in the same approximate line of business. What is this business? I don't know. It's business, 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 business. It involves machinery. It involves steel importing. It involves government contracts. I don't know what they do. They're engineering something, something. I don't know. They're busy. <laughs> they're they're busy doing their business. Uh, there's fact there's a labor unrest. Um, all sorts of things happen, and they use their businesses to sort of peck away at each other's prestige mm. and and place in the economy, but I assume also sort of place in the general sense of whatever society it is that they live in. They are in, in Mumbai. Um, I don't, you never really see anyone who's not part of this family or who doesn't work for them. So the idea of like the pride that they are trying to establish and enforce is very internal to themselves, I think, which is really mm. interesting. You never get outsiders commenting on them. Every now and again, like a bank manager will call them or something like that. But it's all very much about, it's all framed in this world of whatever it is that this work this work is. It's that very they do. insular. It's very insular. The families are huge. Uh, uh, if like me, you are easily confused. I, I do have annotated family trees. They put some up in the beginning of the film and I actually went through and you know, annotated who was who to try to make it more clear for, for dum-dums like me. Um, this movie is magnificent. If people haven't seen it, they really should. I mean, Shashi Kapoor, the producer is, is a plus Sean Benegal, obviously a plus everyone in here is so, so good. The cast is a who's who. The cast is amazing. You have Raj Babar, who is maybe Maybe at first you're like, he's kind of the weakest link among mm. the big names in a way, but actually he's really good. I thought mm. uh, he plays the oldest brother of one of the families, but he is not terribly interested in the business and is kind of more interested in, in other things, but not in a disgraceful way, just in a like, oh, you know, his nature is something else. He's married to Reka, who clearly should be involved in the business, but is yeah. not, I guess, because she's a woman. They don't really go into that terribly much, but I think it's there for you to pick up on. Um, then you get Kubushan Karbanda, who is the next brother, and he's kind of the hothead. Mm. Um but also the big emoter because he, uh, spoiler alert, accidentally causes the death of someone and is is distraught, is absolutely distraught. Uh, their younger brother is Bharat Nag, who is who is definitely the brains of the operation on that side of the family. Then the other the other branch has um, Victor Banerjee as the older brother. Then there's a younger brother who, spoiler alert, is killed. Um, and Shashi Kapoor plays one of their main advisors or co-business leaders um, who is revealed at the end of the film to have an actual relationship into these families that know that most people were not aware of, except for the elders who are really keeping mom about this. Um, and Amrish Puri is also, he's with the other family. He's the advisor kind of on their side and he is Reka's brother. Then his daughter marries into the family. So it's all, it, it, and by the time the movie's like kind of halfway through, you get a good handle. Even if you didn't start out with a handle on who these people are, you get it. But the reason this movie came to mind for me when I was thinking about pride was just that it really seems to me that this is what is motivating them. And even if you back it up to sort of what are their various duties, it still seems like those duties are capitalistic and 
greed is also very inner interwoven with this one. Yeah. I think I could have really picked it for either, but um, it, there really is this just undercurrent, this constant churning of we have to be better than the that other branch. Um, and even when some of the elders and the women start to get really concerned about this is going too far, like mm. the 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 younger men do not back down, and destruction destruction comes about. Consumes. And at the end of the film, um, I'd be really interested if people wanted to talk about the end of this film. So, for example, again, spoiler alert: you will, um, as um, the youngest brother on the bigger side is really just so churned up over what has happened. Um, and you see him kind of having almost kind of seems like he's about to have a nervous breakdown. Um, multiple deaths have happened at this point and an identity has been revealed. That's very catastrophic to them for whatever reasons. I think you could, could make some guesses about in the film. And that's where not knowing the Mahabharata, I think will come in because mm -hmm. I think I'm kind of guessing at some people's reactions, whereas people who know the story would would say, oh, it's very right. likely X. Um, the person he seeks comfort with is not his wife, but is Reka, mm. his brother's, his oldest brother's wife. And it, to me, this, this film has always felt a lot like the Godfather. Yeah. Um, and so Reka mirrors the K figure really well, I think in some ways. Um, and you just wonder, like, are we setting up a new dynasty here where the, the brother and the sister-in-law are going to sort of join forces to resurrect the business? Is there some other relationship that's going to try to form with them? I don't think that's really implied in the film. Again, if you don't know the background, especially, but there's, there's just, you know, it's not, there's not resolution in this story and it, you can tell it could keep going a long time. Not that I think anyone should make a follow-up to this. I think they should right. <laughs> leave it exactly where it is because it's basically a masterpiece, I think. But yeah, it is it is really wonderful. And just watching Pride, I think, is the of the seven sins is the one that most gets at your own sense of yourself and your ego. Yeah. And and not just ego in terms of like an inflated ego, but you're really like who my identity, who am I? And that is very rattled for almost all the characters in this film um, and the information that those things, that those senses contain or don't contain or get bombarded by. And it's just, um, it's it's a very, very, very compelling film. It's mm -hmm. so well made. Uh, if you haven't watched it in a while, rewatch it, I would say. I mean, I don't want to be like, oh, newsflash, Sean Benegal is really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he really is. Uh, this film is just just fabulous. I, do you remember the visuals of the film very well from when you saw it last? Vaguely. Um, there's a lot of like monochromes, lots of monotones in it, lots of grays, yeah, which so I think is great. Yeah. It's 1981. Things are a little bit muted. I would agree mm -hmm. like a lot, but the, but the interiors in this film are so beautiful. Like these are wealthy people and these are classy people. Yeah. There is no showiness about them or if there is, it's in that very understated way of like, I bought this very expensive um, antique statue or a painting. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, refined knowledge-based like acquisitions. Hushed. Yeah, quiet yeah. luxury all the way. Uh, the It's got a lot of that kind of 70s color palette of like browns and oranges and things mm -hmm. like that, but also a lot of white, a lot the of fashions red. fashions also. Oh yeah, everybody looks like a million bucks. There's a lot of interesting mm -hmm. stuff going on with clothing, for example. I feel like um, 
so I've noted this before when I've watched the film, so I was trying to keep my eye out for it. I don't think Shashi Kapoor appears in traditional Indian clothes until very late in the film when you start mm -hmm. to kind of, other things start to happen. He's always in a Western suit, for example. Right. Now, a lot of the men are wearing suits for for their business business <laughs> purposes, but you see, you see them in various other clothes at various times. And the women are always wearing saris in this yeah. film, except maybe the youngest one. Um, there's amazing scenes of funerals and where everyone's in white and like the women march in and this, in, I mean, they are in formation, the women of the family, right. like, you know, flanked and rigid. Right. There's just, there's just so much interesting stuff happening. Uh, there's a lot of books. There's a lot of really um, lovely music. Um, mm -hmm. The whole plot about labor unrest is really interesting and how the families are kind of using strikers to rattle each other. They are, they are stealing imports from one another. Like, <laughs> the police are involved. All sorts of stuff is going on. They seem on. very exhausting. They, they are. They seem very, very tiring. They and are. I'm happy that my family does not indulge in these things because I don't think I would have the energy for any of this. This is this is one of these stories that obviously could be exceptionally filmy if you treated yes. it that way. But because this is the production that it is, like it is all tight, controlled. There's a lot of suppression of feelings. And when things do kind of bubble up mm. or someone finally reveals a piece of information, it's still done. It's very dramatic because it's inherently dramatic, not because they have blown right. it up. It's not shouty. Is, no. And I love a film where people are blowing, blowing things up emotionally right. and whatever. It's not, I'm not against that, but this is not filmy in any way, except for the actual drama inherent to the to the yeah. story, the ancient, ancient story, <laughs> we, yeah. must, we must say. So like, I, yeah, I'm sure I'll come back to this film over the course of the seven deadly sins in particular, because they are, they are all there. <laughs> no, I know you pulled out your DVD that you have, but yeah. for people who don't own it on DVD, where would they, where would they watch it? Because I watched Raincoat on Einthusen. Someone asked me that on Twitter yesterday. It is on YouTube, but I do not believe okay. that has subtitles and I have okay. not been able to find it streaming with subtitles other places. So this might have to be a DVD. If you do not speak Hindi and you want to watch this, just get the DVD. It's so worth it. Your public library might even have have it, right. honestly. Like it's such a, a classic in many ways, right? The source is a classic and the, this particular telling is a classic. Yeah, It's always on people's lists of top films. Like it's in one of Anupama Chopra's lists of like 50 favorite Hindi films and things like that. So I can't imagine it's super hard to get. Um, it, I don't think you could make a good go of it without subtitles, honestly, because yeah, it no. strikes me as a lot of fairly subtle language or at least subtly expressed language. And this is not a like, Kuragawa is the film I always go to when I talk about shouting Hindi that even I can understand without subtitles. It, this doesn't have that. Now people do shout from time to time and you are going to get a, there are words you will know from masala intake, but this is not, I think, I think get your subtitles. Definitely. It's, get too, it's too complex and it's too complicated and it's too nuanced and it's too detailed. This yeah. is also not a movie that you can watch at the end of a day. You need to be paying attention. Pay, you need to have like away. two espresso shots. Pay attention. Yeah, because yes. there are, and while in some ways it is episodic, like some one family does a thing to the other and then it escalates and then it escalates. There are obviously a lot of things that loop back and forth upon each other and things that you saw an hour and a half ago are actually important to what you're seeing now. So I think, yeah, pay attention, get the subtitles. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to 
pick uh pick up on something that you just said because like i love art films i love yeah. the new wave cinema as well and all of those movies from like the 70s and the 80s are like i have such a soft place in my heart for them and i get this a lot from people where they'll be like oh but like art films are so depressing and they're so sad and it's all like villagers and it's poverty and i was like okay first of all there is nothing wrong with villagers or poverty stop being right. really just prick but also what is interesting to note is that when you watch art films from the 70s they actually knew what the truly wealthy live like <laughs> the way yeah. that commercial cinema portrays the yeah. wealthy is not how the true wealthy live like when you <laughs> look at like a Yash Chopra movie or a Karan Johar movie that is their idea of wealthy but that is actually how the nouveau riche live those upside uh, down cakes that they live in and the right. loud everything <laughs> have you ever met like a truly wealthy person they are they are like hushed and they are just yeah. Everything about them is, it's actually intimidating to and someone like say, me who's loud. Yeah, like nobody is doing this like Shashi Kapoor. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, we know the man wears a suit. Yes. yes. His wife is the costume designer on this film. And I don't know if yeah. she did all of them. She believes she's just listed as costumes. And I was asking okay. Twitter yesterday if anyone knew if she did all of them. Because I think Reka in particular also looks mm. amazing in this film, wardrobe-wise. Um He's got, you know, you see him with a little cup of espresso. You see him with his beautiful stereo system. He's got a million billion books, most of them like art yeah. books, it looks like. He's got, you know, this beautiful balcony that he sits out on and listens to his Western classical music while he has a drink at the end of the day overlooking the yeah. sea. Like man is oozing class of a certain yeah. of a certain kind. And like it's it's interesting too that it's not um you know, since less than a, in the last year, we saw Rocky or Ronnie, where we have two very different versions of Indian upper class mm -hmm. wealth and privilege presented. This one is somewhere, it's neither of those, right? It's, yeah. I mean, it kind of leans more towards the Bengali, like uber educated, and we want to talk about it stereotype thing that's happening, mm -hmm. but it's, it's different. It's, it's very it different. Um, and and you see uh, that in a lot of the 70s films, um, like yeah. one of the best depictions I've seen, small one, but a depiction of like the truly, truly wealthy elite um, is in the movie Katha, like which is by Sai Paranspe. It's not the Charles scenes, it's the scenes with Malika Sarabai mm, because the way she is depicted and her home and the party and the everything, you're like, Okay, this is serious money. And my suspicion is that the reason those movies actually pick up on the truly elite, the wealthy, the people who live in Mumbai and they have a, you know, they have membership at the turf club and it's like generations of wealth here that you're talking. And they live, they live at Altamount yeah. Road, you know, those people. I think it's because the budgets of these movies used to be so teeny tiny <laughs> that they just couldn't erect sets. So I think they basically just shot it in the rich people's homes. Like so many of Saif space movies, if you see how the wealthy are depicted, I don't think those are sets. I think she's basically just like owning her friends and she's like, hey, so like I need to shoot at your like sea-facing apartment in like Malbar Hill or like in Worley. Yeah. Can I have it for a day? And I don't think that's set design. I think that's just their house which um, is which is indicating a, a certain kind of access to those people right yes. that you can be involved with the film and get the favor to use those people's homes for a couple right. of weeks they're maybe up in the mountains or wherever or in switzerland or wherever it is that they go um mm -hmm. because you can't not just anyone can phone up and get that right access but I think there might also funnily be an aspect of elitism to it. Because sure. it's kind of like, yeah, like if you are that wealthy person and your friend is the Sham Benegal, right. who, you know, and you're 
your house can be shown in his movie, you're going to say yes. But like some random person, some Dharmesh Darshan type of, I know it's a different era, but like right. some Dharmesh Darshan type person calls you up or like David Dhawan calls you up and says, can I shoot at your penthouse? You're going to be like, hell no. You know what I mean? So there's also, that also is an element of pride, right? Like who mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. the fact that you're your friends are the intelligentsia mm -hmm. your friends are the ones who go to Cannes and Locarno film festival <laughs> yeah. for their movies and your sea facing apartment is going to be shown in that, you know? So, I mean, that's also interesting. Like I love seeing the films that depict like the really elite people because I do not come from that world, no. but because I studied in South Bombay and my house is in South Bombay, I have, vague access to those people but they truly do like the one percent yeah. really live a different lifestyle oh yeah one of my favorite stories to tell is um my cousin um had again like she had access to these like very elite people and she went to her friend's apartment and she just didn't know what to what to say to the auntie like her friend's mom so she just commented on how she liked the painting because it had horses on it and the auntie was like oh that's an mfsa and do you like mfsa and my cousin is like Sure. <laughs> My cousin knew nothing about MFSA. She was literally making conversation. And the auntie was so pleased. She took my cousin on a tour of this four bedroom apartment in like, you know, in like cuff parade and showed her all. And she was like, oh, this MFSA in our bedroom was a gift from my husband for our ex anniversary. And my cousin is like, each of these paintings cost more than yeah. all of the homes that we own, yeah. like, like in the family, like yeah. you could add that up. And they were yeah. like the most normal, nice people. The mom used to play the sitar, which is such a fancy thing to do. None of my family plays the sitar, mind you. I would love to get an art, an Indian art knowledgeable person's opinion of what's going on in Kaliyog, because I, I think it's, it's beautiful. And I, I, I'm pretty sure, even to my fairly uneducated eyes, there's a lot of depiction of deities in this film. Mm. I was thinking about whether this film lives in a fairly secular world, despite its the, the story. And I feel like it kind of does, except that the gods are kind of there in the background, kind of mm -hmm. watching, I think, kind yeah. of observing, which I do think kind of adds to the hubristicness of mm. the characters of this film. So the fact that they are you know, carrying out things set in motion by, you know, in the world of the story, by their various identities, I guess. But um, it does it does kind of feel like that that these are human actors kind of doing something. The gods are sitting there being like, hmm, interesting. We shall yeah. now smite. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Um, and, and the, 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 um, one of the visual themes that really gets me about this film is all the wheels that are there. So of course mm. you think about cyclical time and that the, yeah. the, the Kaliyug and the wheel of karma. The, yeah. The wheel of karma, the, the chakras, all these things. So mm. you get like, there's a lot of dialing of rotary phones. Mm. You get, there's a car tire that's very important in one part. You have whatever it is that they're building has these big, huge exhaust fans you get a jet plane. Like there's a lot of wheels in this mm. film, which I'm, I'm sure is quite deliberate. Also motion. Yeah, and motion. And the, the idea that whatever is coming up is going to go down and then, you know, the, the yeah. cyclical nature of these things. So, and that probably, this movie... I would say there's a futility to that, right? Like yes. the idea that even just, you may rise, but you will fall again, but so will mm. everything else. So just, you know- maybe don't try so hard. I don't know that. I don't, I don't know if there's a lesson in Kali Yuga, but the, that's kind of, it's one a of bit like 
Finding Nemo, where it's like, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. swimming. They just keep swimming. Just and- keep exploiting the masses with your labor practices. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's funny also because like the two movies that we chose are so similar in, in certain ways, but so different in other ways. Yeah. And one of the things like a word I would never use to describe the world of Kalyug is the word passive. These people oh, are no. not passive. <laughs> no. These people are doing all the they things are, all they the are time. Doers. And even when they're not doing it, they're thinking of doing it. Yeah. And when they're not doing it, it's because they've chosen very specifically not to do a thing. So like, I won't right. reveal who Shashi Kapoor really is. I will. Right. Yeah. Hold yeah. that power back until it's absolutely necessary to reveal it. Yeah. What's interesting about Raincoat is that Raincoat is very passive. Everyone in that movie mm. is passive. Manu is passive. Niru is very passive. Niru's character actually reminded me a little bit of um, Sonakshi's character in Lutera, where remember mm. there was a like, part where you and I got frustrated. We were like, girl, do something. <laughs> You're just sitting and crying. Like, right. go out, go do, go for a walk. I don't know. Get a job. Right. <laughs> um, there is also that same sinking feeling of morass and depression mm. and just the claustrophobia of the, the four walls, just like, you know, eating you alive. There's mm-hmm. scenes where in the movie where Ajay the Gun opens the windows because he's like, the sunlight is streaming in, but like you won't even open the windows. And then Ashwara is like, no. And then she goes and like immediately closes them because of the creditors. So it's like this suffocating feeling because sometimes not doing anything is the worst thing you can possibly do. Right, right. You you just need to get in motion and do something with your life. And like just just that inertia can actually kill you in ways that motion actually never will like okay if you're in constant motion you might make a few missteps here and there but at least you're in motion and raincoat is about these very like passive people that let things happen to them yeah which to some extent is also in lutera so i wonder if this is like a like an o henry thing maybe maybe yeah it's that that kind of that saying about you really regret the things you don't do Mm. more than the things you do do Um, yes Interesting. I am fascinated that we both went away from mainstream Hindi cinema for for this. Um, I think one could argue that there is Mm. an element of pride in most mainstream Hindi films. Yes. Mostly located on the paterfamilias, the materfamilias, or the hero for the most part. So I was thinking of something like, uh, would I say that pride is a is sort of a major motivating factor in say DDLJ? I think I would actually say that. I didn't want to talk about that film, but yeah, <laughs> you know. So I think I'm sure that we could have done this with much more mainstream. K3G also. I mean, in yeah, K3G, K3G for sure. Amitabh's whole issue with Kajal is that she is lower class. It's right. elitism. That's why right. he favors Rani over her. And it's any of the ego. any of the places where people are screaming about is it? You know, uh, are, yes. are getting at. <laughs> a certain kind of a, a flavor of pride anyway. Um, yeah. So that in that kind of like knowing your place mm. um, is, is re- it's not exactly the same, but it's related. But I, I do think one of the great things about, I think your idea for this series is that we're going to get to go out yes. if we want to, because these things are, these things are everywhere. And there's a million billion films about greed, for example. Yes. <laughs> um, were there other films that you were considering to use to talk about pride? Um, I was kind of thinking of Choker Bali for mm-hmm. it, but then ultimately I decided that Choker Bali was going to be my, my choice for Envy, mm-hmm. um, because I was thinking about Binodini's character and the character played by Shwara Rai, where I was like, I, I do think that she is motivated to some extent by 
pride or rather mm. a bruised ego is how I would put it. But then I also thought that envy seemed much more damaging. The, the thing about pride, I think, is that it's the thing that often stops you from doing anything to address the other mm. sins that you may be indulging in or whatever, right? Because you don't want to admit you have a problem or that you've done something wrong or that you've hurt someone or or whatever it may happen to be. Right. I was also thinking about how often lying comes up and dishonesty is not actually one of the seven deadly mm. sins because I, I guess the idea again, this is not a theology podcast, <laughs> is that, you know, that, that these other things are actually what's motivating you to lie in some way. But I, I was yeah. thinking about, there were various films I kind of loosely considered. And I was like, I think mm. actually that's just lying. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and that, that the under the root was, was maybe something else. Um, yeah. That wasn't as, and obviously it's kind of hard to come up with a film that's more juicy than Kaliug in some ways. So yeah. I'm glad I, I'm glad I have I did also think about Abhiman because like Abhiman literally means pride, (laughs) but like not like, yeah, Abhiman literally means pride. And um, that movie, I mean, of course, it's an adaptation of A Star is Born. And I have loved every iteration of A Star is Born I've seen. I love the Barbara Streisand, Chris Christopherson Mm -hmm. one. I love the Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga one. Lady Gaga like blew me away. I love that woman so much. Mm -hmm. Um, She also blew blew me away in House of Gucci. Have you watched it? I have watched House Jeez. of Gucci. That is a that is a howler of a film to me. I love that movie. <laughs> I mean, it is so awful in a lot of ways, but it was very fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> like it'd be a great so, slumber party movie. Oh, it would be such a great slumber party movie. <laughs> Actually, you, me, and Luncharoni should do a slumber party because Lunchy and I both loved House of Gucci and we were constantly for a while, right, after we watched it, we kept like you know, messaging each other, like Lady Gaga's dialogues from it or whatever. It was hysterical. I, um, I saw it by myself, which I regret because I think it would have been okay. much more fun with people because I don't, I don't, I believe you that she has some great dialogue. I don't remember a single thing. Right. But what I mostly remember is like everyone in this movie seems to be in a different movie than each other. And like, yeah, why can they just not use their actual accents? Why are we all pretending to be Italian yeah or just like the names will cover it we all know these people are italian like, right, right. And many of these people are italian american so like just let right. it let it <laughs> but um yes yeah, so sorry i digress but anyway i love the bradley Cooper, lady gaga a star is born also and then i also love abhiman i think these are the only three versions of a star is born that i've seen is there a more recent Bollywood version of A Star is Born that I'm not aware of? One no. of the Ashikis is kind of that, isn't it? I have not watched any of those. Yeah, I, I haven't either. To. <laughs> um, I, I mean, absolutely refused it. Many, many stories about a creative artist or performing mm. artist in some ways are going to have a, a sense of the pride issue in them yes. in some way. And maybe even hubris, especially as you think about people who are creating something or are they, you know, taking on too much of the divine you know, to, to be a creator and that kind of thing. So I, I, a lot of those I think would be good. Or the student going ahead of the master. Yes. Yes. Because with, with a star is born, there's so many different elements of pride. Okay. First of all, there's like the masculine pride Mm. that the man has where he's Mm -hmm. the star and you're Mm -hmm. just the little satellite. Um, so there's that, then there's also the, you know, the, the, privilege that mm-hmm. they have that there's also I am the master you are the student for whatever reason they've decided that you mm-hmm. know and then it's like how dare you get ahead of me so there's, there's like so much of the bruising of the ego and a fragility um 
and not wanting other people to shine because you think if you let someone else shine, it's going to, it's going to dim your light, which is so bullshit, but that is what that whole thing is about. But ultimately I decided for my mental health, I did not want to rewatch Abhiman. That's fair. That's it is fair. an exhausting movie. Um, I think it's a great movie. I like it personally. I think Jabachan is great in it. I think Amitabh Bachchan is so punchable and slappable, mm. but that's because he Good is point. meant to be that. Yeah. I actually think that him in Abhiman is so much more memorable than either Chris Christopherson or Bradley Cooper mm. in the in those films. Um, whereas I think all the women were on par for me. Um, but he's just so slappable. And I was like, do I want to spend my evening watching this? Probably not. I'll just watch Raincoat. <laughs> that might be a theme of these of these films that we're going to talk about for this series, right? I think some mm. of them, we if we don't choose wisely, we might find ourselves in a bit of a morass. <laughs> yes, <laughs> mental health wise, like I think that, or emotional health wise. Anyway, this is going to be some of these might be rough. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I suspect there are also. I'm. Sh- I mean, we could think about it easily that there will be ones where some of these are treated in a comic way, particularly lost yes. and, and gluttony, I think are the ones that are yeah. the, like the bodily ones are more ripe for like a humorous treatment, for example. So, well, I'll tell you what movie I've picked for, for greed and it's actually a mainstream movie. And it's a movie that I desperately want to talk about so much. Um, the movie I actually picked is Judai. And so that has Sri Devi as the greedy person and it has Anil Kapoor and it has Urmila. It is not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it's so meaty. Like there is so much to chomp on, Beth. There's so much to say. And that does have like a very strong comic angle to it. Like Sri Devi is a greedy person, but she's also like a funny person and she makes me giggle when she's on screen. Have you seen Judai? That's what I'm just trying to remember. Um. I can't remember who the director is. Is it? I Raj Kumar says Wikipedia. Okay. I think I'm getting this mixed up with a completely different film. Are so you mixing no, up with Ladla? I am, which I have love. You better, <laughs> you better, whatever it is that she says. <laughs> because Ladla also has Sri Devi and uh, Anil Kapoor. That's what I was. I love yeah. Ladla. Uh, yeah, Without so no, being Mr. India. Yeah, I have no, not so seen Judai this, is. so I should see it. My you film, should watch it for Sri Devi. Will. My film for greed is Bluffmaster because I, I know you told me that that came to mind and I was like, oh, that'd be fun to rewatch. So there's a I actually one. don't remember Bluffmaster at all. I saw it a really long time ago, but yeah. I never rewatched it. So I listened to that soundtrack. It's so good. Once every couple of months, at least like the CD literally lives in my car. <laughs> I listen I to it fairly regularly. So but I haven't seen the film itself in a long time. So that was fun to revisit. Um I oh, I know another movie that I thought of for Pride, but then I decided not to because um, I'd spoken about it in the Vahida episode, and that was um, Guide. Sure. Yeah. Because Dave Anand's character and then also um, Rahman's character, there's there's a lot of pride. There's a lot of hubris in it. Again, there is yeah. the the crisis of the artiste. Yes. Um, there is all of that in that. Uh, yes. But that's also a good movie to to talk about for pride i think pride is i did read um because i was reading a little bit about like the roman catholicism thing about the seven deadly sins and i believe that theologically pride is considered the absolute worst which is why it comes first and there is a sense of that umbrella term of where everything else kind of falls in under pride so it's the, the seven deadly sins are not created equal i think the six are equal and then pride just stands on its own as sort of like this horrible thing to be um so, because it's and the would, one where you are becoming trying to be more like something you're not, right? Like it's right. like that the divine is going to need to like 
step on you. <laughs> Feel to it. Oh, she like the ant you are. So many religions want to do so. <laughs> oh, there was another movie I wanted to like. Okay, not seriously talk about pride, but knowing me, it could have been a serious decision. I wanted to talk about the mummy. <laughs> The Brendan Fraser movie. Okay. There's so much pride in that too. It's like the pharaohs and the the you know the Tutankhamen-y things and then the archaeologists. And like you can make an entire podcast on movies where like Western archaeologists basically like loot and pillage like Egypt or ancient cultures like that. And then they get spited in this case by the mummy. And I was like, will Beth like unfriend me and block me from everything oh, no. and like if I talk about the mummy <laughs> I so as many of you know I work in a I work in a world cultures museum and until quite recently we did have a mummified human on display it is no longer on display um and the number of questions I got about that based on that movie <laughs> from children on tours over the years like I can't I can't even tell you and I for a long time resisted seeing the movie because it's I was so, so tired of hearing about it from kids right. I did recently finally watch it it's delightful I um, love it if you are into the mummy you should watch uh, I'll put it in the comment or the description there's a video by one of my favorite YouTube people she's a cosplayer primarily oh. her name's Rachel Maxey and she interviews she watches the mummy with an actual Egyptologist and their commentary is going oh that would be amazing <laughs> it has it has millions of views it's very very funny so I will put that in there you would you would like it I think I um, would like it because of course there's a so, lot of nonsense happening as a museum professional how do you feel about movies like Night at the Museum and things like that <laughs> Night at the Museum I I love <laughs> Now I'm going to put aside the very important question of museums, primarily in the West, having things that they should not have. Right. That is a huge problem. I'm glad there's some reckoning coming. I'm going to put that aside when we're talking about these movies mm. for a second. The Night at the Museum movies I love because that captures something that I think everyone who loves museums has thought about, whether they've really articulated it to themselves or not. But like, mm. wouldn't it be fun to be here overnight? What happens when all the lights go off? You know, yeah. my experience as more than 20 years in the museum field is absolutely nothing happens when the lights go Aww. off. Other people may have different experiences. My museum, for example, we have had employees who would swear they've seen ghosts. <gasps> now, I don't believe in ghosts. So I, you know, that's their experience. That's what their brain is telling them that they are experiencing, whatever. But so, it, you know, and we were built in the year 2000. So it's not like an old building. Right. <laughs> um, but, um, and I have known other museum professionals and other museums who have, who would swear that they have experienced ghosts. Um, but the oh, idea wonderful. of, you know, it's also so fun to think about the objects having their own lives at night yeah. when looking and that they interact with each other. And that's this the first one in particular. I think that's so fun the way the objects kind of like, you know, they they interact and have all these adventures together when the humans aren't looking, which is incredibly charming. Movies that are more about archaeology, I think are um they get at that. I think there's something deeply, deeply human about wanting to know about our own past, yeah. whether very specifically your own family or more broadly humankind. Um, Egypt in particular is fascinating because Egypt has seemed exotic to almost everyone yes. for 5,000 years at this point. Like human written mm -hmm. history has almost always seen Egypt as exotic. And yeah. the fact that the, the people who, the culture that made those things that we find so interesting, the fact that that culture is for all intents yeah. and purposes, non-existent makes it sort of safer to muck around in that. So right. like, you're not going to offend as many people <laughs> that way. Now, yeah. 
there are many people in modern day Egypt who feel deep connections to these things. And, and, you know, uh, this is not fully a dead culture in some ways, but like, there aren't very many people who believe in raw anymore, for example, right, so right. it's not, or it's not as, which makes right. my cats very sad. Right. So Egypt in particular, I think has a particular, has a, a draw to it. Also, it's just so unlike anything else in terms of the visual arts and the architecture, like nobody is making pyramids exactly like that anywhere else. Like step pyramids, yeah. yes, exist in Central America and Mesoamerica, mm. um, for example, but like those smooth-sided, absolutely massive things nobody else is doing. So that the, you know, I get the appeal of that, that like it's, it's us, but then it's very much not us at the same time, which is yeah. a pretty irresistible combination to humans, I think. They have that also that visual advantage that the state of Rajasthan has which is all those shifting sands and everything. Very beautiful. It just, it just, it's beautiful. How can you take a bad photo? And also like a little Egypt. bit perilous too, right? Like, you know, yes. that if you step a little too far out, you're going to die because <laughs> there's not yeah. much water <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and then obviously things like, you know, human remains are something that most cultures have complicated um, and, and long established Mm-hmm. thoughts and feelings and procedures around whatever those may happen to be so when you encounter a group that does death very differently than you mm. that's a very agitating and unsettling experience yeah. so Egypt really you know ancient Egypt really has a whole lot of um facets to it that almost everybody else finds it's a very cinematic culture slash civilization slash like it's I, gold I, it's huge yeah. there is humans with animal heads there's there's like, curses you know, there's curses there's you know a writing that was for a long time undeciphered by anyone else like scarab beetles yeah. oh yeah. i love it eye makeup all the fancy eye makeup that had yeah. lead in it that killed people early a very strong poisoning. a very strong vibe a very strong yes. aesthetic very strong aesthetic like that aesthetic is still gorgeous i was watching mummy 2 also uh which is very bad i don't recommend mm. watching mummy 2 mummy is far better but in mummy 2 i was like oh i love her cat eyeliner she needs to do like a youtube tutorial or something because like i want to look like Aminette. and then i was like oh wait that's probably not how they actually look this is just hollywood's version of it this is where i will plug if i have not already the absolutely bananas film gods of egypt from i don't know like eight nine years ago that movie is off its rocker you should definitely watch it it would be much better if bollywood had made it because it needs mm. musical sequences frankly that movie is really sorely lacking in song sequences yeah, like a suraj hua madham kind of a thing right you like, could do any that. and everything and there's already the cast of thousands there and they've got all these amazing sets and costumes and everything like why is there no musical sequence <laughs> true true have you ever watched cleopatra the one with elizabeth taylor no, believe it or not. I, want to I know watch I need it. to. I know. It looks so grand and also so bad at the same time. Um, but like the jewelry, and I think Elizabeth Taylor wore a lot of her own jewelry in the movie. Uh, speaking as an Elizabeth, I feel like maybe we should watch this and then do an episode on it. And because that is yeah. that is a very filmy film, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it is very filmy. I've heard it's supposed to be like pretty bad though. Which which when has that ever stopped us from watching movies, Beth? Mm-hmm. We're not my favorite movies, Kabi Kushi, Kabi Gum. I am no authority on on good cinema. That is in the eye of the beholder, and we <laughs> maybe hold it differently. Okay. So what is one thing that you are most proud of in a good Ooh. way? Because pride oh, can be a, a good thing too. Way. We all need to love ourselves. Oh. Um. Oh gosh. This has been kind of, I've seen this on Twitter in the last couple of days because we're recording this oh, on New you? Year's Day 2024. Uh, so like what's something you've done or uh, 
in the last year that you're proud of. And I, I've kind of had a hard time with that one, but um, I, uh, well, I'll bring this back to the museum thing. The The place I work has really been doing a lot of work to reckon with some of the bad things about museums in the mm. West and in America in particular. And I think we're doing a really good job at turning our ship around in some ways. And I'm, I get to be a part of a lot of those things. And I'm, I'm oh, really good. proud of the, I'm really proud of the work that we're doing and it, and the number of people from various communities in our area who have come forward and say, we want to work with you. We trust you to help us tell our story or something like that. And that means more to me than I can ever possibly yeah. express. And I, I actually got to show one of those projects to the head of the Smithsonian <gasps> who was on our campus for a completely different, he was receiving an honorary doctorate at graduation. And because we are a Smithsonian affiliate, which many museums are, he came to see us and I got to show him a project that I had worked on about um, local AIDS quilt panels that were on display in the museum and that we continue to work with. That was a project that came to us out of, um, from the local queer community. Um, mm. And I, that's the thing I'm most proud of in my entire career. And the fact that I got to show it to the head of the Smithsonian and he yeah. said, this is what museums should be doing. I was like, oh, <laughs> like the best thing that anyone's ever said to me. That was that's not lovely. actually 23, that was 2022. But yeah, I'm proud of what my colleagues and I are beginning to do and, and to learn and to try to keep going. What's something you're proud of? I'm proud of the fact that I always take chances. Oh, yeah, you do. I fail a lot <laughs> and spectacularly. And I have many, many interesting stories and anecdotes to tell of me just like flaming out. You keep <laughs> going. When I, when I flame out, it's in a blaze of glory. And then all my friends are shaking their head and going, I worry about you. I worry about <laughs> you so much. My, my friend Nikki just told me yesterday she worries about me. I was like, great, wonderful. <laughs> but, but I don't try again. But you don't worry about you. And that shows, I don't, I, I don't think. You. And like, that's a remarkable set of like self I leave that to others. <laughs> I give other people sleep. But you know, you I don't need like to worry, baby. right? Yeah. <laughs> you got this. <laughs> okay. Now, what is something you're not proud of yourself oh. and that you, you would like to perhaps change? I love to shop on Poshmark and eBay. <laughs> and I buy, I buy too many things it's clothes specifically, I, you know, like you, it's very easy. You can shop online for clothing very successfully in a lot of ways. So it's not the online thing, but for me, it's a little bit too much. Like I'll be watching a movie and I see someone in a whatever. And I'm like, Ooh, I could use a, a thing, whatever. Now I'm not buying like the fancy brands or anything. I'm right. this is like a $23 at a time thing, but like that adds up and it's like consumption that I don't need. So right. I actually have, um, Pitu inspired me to get this book called Q and a a day, which gives you a writing prompt first, a little question for every day. And you can start it at any time of the year. Like I started mine in October, I think. And one of them recently was, was it goals or something? There was one quite recently that was about I think something you want to improve on or whatever. And I actually okay. wrote down, like, I need to get a handle on this because I buy something, I wear it three times and then I donate it. Like that's, mm. and I'm buying secondhand, but still like it's still consumption. And uh, so you I need to I'm be no more Marie Kondo about it. Uh, I, I really hate everything about her, but I need to really? be more <laughs> deliberate and thoughtful and like use what I already have. Cause I already, I like the things I already have. Like, right. uh, um, you need to shop your own closet. Shop my own closet. Like, I think this is actually going to be one of the reasons I'm going to maybe get off Instagram for a while is just like not mm. seeing ads for things like, you know, um, so many ads kind of look, look from within the things that I 
already have and already love, right? Like, so what I- especially infuriates me about Instagram ads is I keep getting Instagram ads for like Botox and stuff like that. And I'm like fiercely anti-Botox and I'm right. like, will you stop? I, I do not want to age in like a weird duck lip kind of a way. Like I go to Beverly Hills sometimes and I see the people and I don't want that. So stop it. You're infuriating <laughs> me right now. So yes, like they see a demog- they get a demographic about you and then they make all these assumptions, yeah. which is really frustrating. What's um, yours? I'm not proud of my temper. I, mm. I have always had a short fuse and I think I'm getting better at it. Like when I was, um, when I was a teenager, I was an absolute hellion. I was horrible, <laughs> <laughs> but I think I've gotten better about it. And now I have like strategies to control it where, where if I get mad, I'll count to 10, I'll take a deep mm. breath. Um, my therapist told me like a really cool thing many, many years ago where my therapist said, you know, think of like a, like a pot of boiling water. It doesn't go from like room temperature to like boiling in like a second, right? right? It takes some time like to get there. So he said, when someone is making you mad or you're getting mad or whatever, you know, before you get to that boiling point, that is when you need to like intercede. And so you should be like, so he literally told me to say to people, um, I'm starting to boil up. Like I'm starting to reach my boiling point. So we need to like de-escalate right now. And so I would, run, I would say that. Yeah. yeah. So I would do that and I would like back away. And that, that actually as a strategy really helped me, but I still have a long way to go. <laughs> so for you, the wrath episode is going to be something. <laughs> yes. and I think mine would have to be gluttony. Uh, like the, ac- the acquisition wrath episode. Thing. I'm going to be like, okay, but that's not wrong. You guys. <laughs> it hit me. I feel it. Yeah, <laughs> I empathize. Like, it, it Correct. We should be like this. Like it should be like Dunya ko ke It should be that. I recently realized that I had been singing the Indian World Cup song wrong. My husband pointed it out. It's like an old World Cup song that I really like. It's called mm. Come On India Dikado. That's just what the song is, right? It was very catchy. It's like, come on, India, Tikado. And then I don't know what the second line is, but I've always sung for like 15 odd years. I've been singing Dunia ko Jalado. <laughs> like burn the world and I was walking my dog the other day and I was like come on India dikado dunia ko jalado my my husband was like excuse me what that is not the song so I need to read about it I was like that sounds perfectly acceptable like in the in the fighting sporting spirit like yeah India needs to win the match and also burn everyone and he was like no they don't you should rewrite it to be about gelato (laughs) yes but that's not my it could be more like a giving, like, a giving. and we give you some gelato. <laughs> okay, I, I actually like that you're trying to make me a better person. So I, I will rewrite that. I'll I just like, like ice cream. In, yeah, dikado, dunia, kodedo, gelato. I will do that. <laughs> I think the wrath and gluttony episodes are going to be very interesting yep. because I'm going to yep. tie myself into a not defending the people and you're going to tie yourself into a not defending the gluttons. <laughs> okay well i think that concludes our episode did you have any parting thoughts we did plenty of like tangential statements today i mean if you've never heard the dictum pride comes before fall (gasps) the people of kaliug are here to show you how that happens (laughs) yes (laughs) so we want to hear from you guys uh which movies you associate with pride what do you think about those have you seen kaliug have you seen raincoat um 
what movie speaks to you as far as Pride is concerned? And why do you think that Pride is such a bad thing? Because I'm not sure it's always a bad thing, but often it is. Um, And then what um, sins are you excited to hear us talk about? There's there's so many, and we're going to get through the list. But if there's especially a movie that you want us to talk about in one of the other sins episodes, let us know. And, you know, if we've seen it, we'll talk about it as well um so thank you for watching for me ladies um we just want to say we're so grateful to have you guys listen to our rambling every week and um all the nice comments and suggestions you give us and then we really love this tiny little cute community we've set up where everyone is so thoughtful and lovely and we learn so much from your comments so Absolutely. thank you and have a happy new year and don't be too prideful